And apparently we're live, so I'll sing for a little bit because it never really is. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review, or weekly Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are live here on YouTube and also in available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net. And this is my final Raw Review of the year. I need my Christmas, damn it. And it's a go-home show for TLC. And for me... A very average Raw going into TLC, but the dynamics have changed. I'm just going to triple check stuff. Yeah, the dynamics have changed since, I guess, since I have not started this review, but since I started watching WWE or covering it for wrestling headlines, be it in written form originally, uh, a lot of things, things have changed. And one of the big things, SmackDown is now kind of shifting to the A-show. Over on Fox, that's the big one of really... In terms of like the go home show for the pay per view, it's yeah, it's pretty uh, uh, a bit down a bit if Raw doesn't really hit home, in particular. But really, it's about SmackDown, so I'm not really throwing that big of an uh, <laughs> that big of a, a uh, wobbly as I stutter all over the place. Yeah, not it's fine. It was a, it was, a, it was fine. Uh, I think part of it is I know that during the Christmas uh, Christmas New Year double week. I am not going to double week. That's I mean two week period. I mean fortnight. I've made up a phrase. <laughs> the Christmas double week. <laughs> yeah, in that I know I'm not going to be watching much wrestling. I think the only wrestling I'll be watching will be for like award stuff at the end of year things, and then I've got January fourth and fifth. It is Wrestle Kingdom, so I shift gears towards New Japan a bit. So yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I want to say it's cathartic doing this review, knowing that this is the last Raw I'm watching for the year, and I get two weeks off after this. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But, I will say, going into TLC, this did really not much at all for me in terms of excitement for the show. Uh, I will say it was a cute... I think my peak got to... Oh, that's a nice little addition. And I feel like that's the most I got. Quite often I'll say that for NXT, where I go, that's a nice addition, so I'm not really going to massively critique a thing or whatever. But for me, overall, the show... I think it's the show overall... And a story for NXT doing a building block show like that where not much happens, but you can go, well, it's evident building blocks that at least make the pay-per-view more interesting or take over more interesting. But you do that for a three-hour show, and it comes across as just a bit boring. And yes, they Christmas it up a bit, with it being a week before Christmas. They did have The Miz doing his wee Christmas story, and yeah, the Christmas trees were about and stuff, as used, used as weapons and things. But I wouldn't say anything on the show massively jumped out at me. It's more current, continuing building blocks. And they did a decent job in those building blocks. That's why, that's why I put very average. <laughs> As in, a building block show. But on a three-hour show, a building block show is a show that you're not going to remember. Uh, and as a reviewer, I would have, like, if I wasn't reviewing this show, this would have been one of those weeks where I just very quickly skipped through a lot of it. Because a lot of it was... Uh, and there's, there's certain stories that are reaching their kind of... Uh, things are falling on the ground, so it's like Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. And there's a few acts which are kind of laying... Like you're seeing the lay of the land, and there's a few acts which are just like... They're not hitting. In terms of WrestleMania, and where they fall on the roster, what kind of uh, storylines we're going to see them fall into. There are, there are a few acts where it's a bit like... Right, we can see you possibly falling down the card. Obviously, number one in that is Retribution, and that whole act, they've got their anger with Ricochet, it feels main event level, which sucks, because <laughs> the people involved, but when when the writing for the story is bad, I can't really say anything, they're attempting to make it interesting, to give their damage control, but when every other week you do something which then needs more damage control, it's like, yeah, it, it yeah. Tuned out. I think, like, internet wrestling fans, which, again, are always a small percentage. It's a bigger percentage than it was, but it's still a smaller percentage of, like, overall fans of WWE. Yeah, uh, tuned out of attribution. It's, uh, it's not well written. <laughs> but it does a TLC, the actual things on there. Because it, it, it is the final pay-per-view before we then kick gears 
in to WrestleMania with the Royal Rumble in January. And for me, that's why I've said, in terms of retribution, that is where they, for me, will ultimately be kind of just buried down. And I won't be surprised if they don't exist by the end of 2021. Will they even make it to SummerSlam? Will they even be a thing past WrestleMania? Will there be a thing on WrestleMania? I, like, for me, they scream like Battle Royale fodder. That's what I'm expecting. That said, it is a interesting period for WWE as like as the as a world we start to come out of the of COVID nineteen and WWE. And there's still the reports of will there be fans or not for the Royal Rumble. Obviously, that dependent on Florida and how that all goes. Uh, is, are they in Florida still? I won't say they are. It's all dependent on how that goes. But TLC for me, it's one of those shows which, looking at the card, I feel like I should be excited. Uh, and uh, on the night, I reckon I'll enjoy it. Uh, the matches look strong. The story's strong enough for a B pay-per-view, really. Like, I can't, I'm not going to cry that, oh my God, I've not got this super-duper investment level uh, that I do for the stories, of, for example, in an AEW pay-per-view or in a New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. Folks, I was just about to come around the corner. Or in WWE's own WrestleMania. That investment level's obviously not there for TLC. But that is how they do things. They have their big pay-per-view and quite often their B pay-per-views will contain decent wrestling. And as a show, they normally flow pretty well, mostly because they're shorter, but they flow really well. And uh, there isn't always a kind of character or story investment. I feel like that's what, that's what TLC is for me. They've had like the three-week build. The investment isn't that high, but the card looks strong enough. Like, I'm interested in... Like, every match has some level I'm interested doesn't mean it's a lot for some of them, but there are just different levels that I am interested. So for me, for a B pay-per-view, that's fine. It does mean, though, as I'm reviewing this Raw, painfully average, <laughs> is what I'd say. Uh, which I've seen quite a lot of people online tap as a really bad Raw. For me, it didn't like do anything super egregious. It, um, the big one, obviously, is Keith Lee's got a lot of fan support online. And to, concede, to see him just, in their words, wasted. But for me, it's more inconsistent booking for yet another guy and Keith Lee's like this is a guy you've got an opportunity to break out of that but of course no it's the same booking method so they're going to do the same thing again which kind of sucks but uh, oh well but yeah with Keith Lee I feel like he's a big kind of proponent in terms of uh, like fan backlash against WWE writing he's a big proponent right now just because of how over he's gotten and how not particularly strongly used he seems to be like, they're hot and cold on him, like, from week to week. I saw it do the rounds this week that Keith Lee was on main event, and I immediately just thought, but he is also on Raw, and he also had a match with a story where it took two men to beat him after he impressively fought them off constantly. And even the pin in the end was him countering one of John Morrison's main moves. So, yeah, so I wouldn't say he's being super buried. I would say he's being booked inconsistently in terms of do they want him to be a top guy? Well, you're not booking him consistently in terms of, like, a long-term... Vision uh, and again, biggest difference I'm spotting over the course of time with AW and WWE is the difference in writing when you've written your story. You know where it's going, and week to week you can put building blocks in there. WWE often writes month to month, if not week to week. Hence why things stop and start. And Keith Lee's a great example of that. Where if they'd written their story, there wouldn't be this up and down momentum because each week you would know well we need to hit this beat, so we'll do that. Or we, or we know this beat is coming, so we can do a little hinty thing at that, or do a little nod or a build. But that's yeah, yeah. It's just not a nothing. Often with WrestleMania, this is where again TLC is a B pay per view, and after often afterwards, you start to see plans kind of get into play a bit. And with WWE, just having definite direction really helps them. Uh, so quite often, like after TLC, even not even like from the Rumble, it was quite often before. Like you hit a nice stride of momentum as they go all the way to WrestleMania, and you're getting again the long term. I say long term stories, long term for WWE. Uh, I need to find a new term. Is it like like yeah, like genuinely long stories and WWE long? <laughs> Are they two separate things? But yeah, to get a story in WWE going from like this date here to WrestleMania, uh, hence why there's a lot of predictions for Sheamus to do stuff. So yeah. But again, a painfully average Raw, which I'm now going to review. <laughs> I'm not going to go through in detail. It's just that it was, just to, like, yeah, my takeaway sentence, it was just painfully average, but it was building blocks as well. So if you're a massive fan of WWE and every week you need to catch up with what they're doing, then this show will be fine for you because it was building blocks of stuff. Uh, if you're somebody 
who when Moore isn't like massively hitting and he wants to know like, was it a show worth watching I would say no for this one like it's like the uh, Lord of the Rings extended edition <laughs> there we go if you don't watch this show then it's like you've just not watched the extended edition but you still get your Lord of the Rings movie which I'm going to call TLC yes I know the comparisons aren't like quality merit deserving <laughs> but still it's uh, point being this is an episode which you could cut out entirely and not massively miss stuff, apart from some of the lower card matches, which had a few twists and turns and things. So yeah, anyway, let's go through the show in order and how things built up. I've tried to block some some things together because it was a show where a segment would start and then you'd get kind of interjected throughout the show, or you'd get those characters returning later on for a little bit. Uh, so it's all the same acts a few times throughout this show. Uh, first off, we kicked off the show with the dirt sheet. Miz with his wee Christmas story, The Nightmare Before TLC. Uh, the vibe's up and the spotlight's down, ready for Miz to click his fingers and reveal the characters during his tale. Morrison dressed up all Braveheart for the role of McIntyre. Let's just ignore that. <laughs> for AJ Styles to stab him with his sword, uh, both overacting and getting in the way of Miz's flow. AJ Styles in the end climbs the ladder for what he thought was the end of the story with him becoming WWE Champion, because that is the beat for the end of TLC, the foreshadowing. It's all about AJ Styles winning. However, Miz had made some changes to the script. In his words, making it better, and with the new ending foreshadowing an unsuccessful AJ Styles, and then, which would then lead into The Miz cashing in Money in the Bank on Drew. AJ not happy, really, at Miz switching the final beat onto himself, but Seamus was out for his scripted promo <laughs> that disappointingly did not adhere to the rhyming complex structure. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, AJ didn't really get to voice himself because of Seamus coming out. Therefore, uh, Seamus' lines, because they were not rhyming couplets, his lines were completely unmemorable. <laughs> Waltzing down as he remembered his generic WWE match lead-in fodder. I, uh, genuinely, I listened to him. I was like, right, I'll just finish the previous sentence. I'll write it in as generic WWE match leading fodder, and then I'll actually write down what he actually said. A, a, a complete blank. And I was like, you know what? This is actually a great example <laughs> for me to not, not go back and actually, oh, wait, what did he say? He's like, no, I just listened to him, and I found it so unmemorable. I genuinely had no idea what he said, but I knew what the point of it was. <laughs> so I just was like, actually, no, let's just keep it as it is. Just don't even note it down. <laughs> let's go straight into the match. The match itself was great. I just wanted to make that note of, uh, yeah, like it was Vimey Couplets time. And then as soon as Seamus came out, it was really jarring. Like the level of scriptedness his promo felt, even though it's Seamus and he, like as a character, he's done really well on Raw. I've really enjoyed all of his stuff with uh, Drew McIntyre. And even quite often he's not with Drew McIntyre, but the way that story's playing out and the others are like, you're Seamus, you're going to turn on him. And they're trying to influence that. While Seamus has got that long-term friendship with McIntyre. So, which McIntyre is different from him. He can't just do it. It would take quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of friendship hurdles to get over and to actually take him down. But the promo again leading into the match was just generic crap. <laughs> but the match itself, uh, AJ's final contest before he competes for the WWE Championship. Sheamus finally getting the man one on one. Uh, but did you know Omos is big? <gasps> I had no idea! Thank God commentary pointed it out. I'd have looked such the fool by calling him ordinary size Omos. Oh. <laughs> Sheamus with the stiff strikes and power counters. AJ with a longer game working on the man's leg for the calf crusher. Also working as a good weakener to the bro kick. Good stuff. Uh, Shamu going for the Brett's rope white noise again. I think it was last week he did that. Maybe it was a little while ago. But with the damage to the leg, AJ was able to wriggle free and chop the man down onto his shoulders and score the pin. Styles capitalising to get the win once again, this time not jumping in with a phenomenal forearm, but showing he can do it when there isn't masses amount of shenanigans as well. Pay to the ladders, like, not as only needing that one moment to steal the match this Sunday, for circumstances to just fall into place. Uh, once again on display after the match, uh, Sheamus tried to grab the Georgian man only to be halted by Omos and get his leg caught in the ropes, dangling upside down. And I've lost myself in the notes. <laughs> dangling upside down. AJ sees the opportunity to lay in chair shot after chair shot on that worked on leg. The realisation he could take out Drew's own one ally ahead of Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't a planned thing. Uh, I don't. I can't remember if on commentary they were like, "Oh, AJ Styles once again with this devious stuff." Uh, like you got to think it's the plan all along. I thought, well, no. Sheamus started it, and it was like AJ in that moment for me was like, "Oh, I can take him out here." But yeah, yeah. I really like that, and it was a long-term kind of playing. So yeah, yeah. All for that. <laughs> nice little thing. Nice again. Nice little building block. And if AJ takes out Sheamus, yeah, it's cool. For me, it's more. I feel, I still expect Sheamus to turn up and bro kick Drew. Because it's WWE and Tisa's story. Personally, like if you're doing a story like this, why not go to WrestleMania? But I don't expect them to. I expect them to try and do something bigger for Drew McIntyre. Be it Brock, uh, the rumoured match of Brock Lesnar. Uh, I thought it said and Keith Lee, but that sounds a bit... Huh? <laughs> so maybe it could be uh, against Brock Lesnar again this time. Not for a championship, just for Brock Lesnar wanting revenge and again failing. And Drew McIntyre beating him up again. But I'd also know... Uh, Seamus, Drew McIntyre, it would be a story with something to it, but that's that's something, for example, this might make it all the way to, like, Revolution, for example, in AW, but it's WWE. When they're telling a story, it's often, like, you can point where the kind of beats are going to happen, and for me, that prediction is TLC, Seamus does turn on him, uh, commentates play it up as this horrific thing, oh my god, I can't believe he did it, then... Uh, I was going to say at the Royal Rumble because that means he has to lose the championship and then at the Royal Rumble they can either have a solo match or have a proper proper problem <laughs> in the Rumble itself. Uh, yeah. So an, I don't know in terms of <laughs> this is this this, uh, this part I used to be specifically on about the Sheamus dynamic. Uh, I think he's going to do it because WWE booking. I would hold it off. Again, WWE often have had an issue in the past or recent past of telling instead of showing and the telling part of it is of such a, is of, of a relatively short period this time the telling part is of a longer period which it kind of makes it feel a bit more natural then this they've had a month of showing it again often in the past the balance is off so the kind of showing of it is extremely short in comparison to the telling again case on point kevin owens new day last year but was that last year or was that the year before my brain's all over i think it was last year but the uh, thing with this one again is since Survivor Series, I want to say they have kind of continued the, the showness. And for me, in terms of the showing us bit, it needs to last more than one like pay per view gap. <laughs> that bit to make it feel a bit more genuine rather than just the story of the moment. For me, or the comic book writing, as I put it, just have them be friends through the rumble. They can break. They can have their issues afterwards. You can do the same story, just you're prolonging it a bit more. Uh, Sheamus doesn't have to face him at WrestleMania. Drew could go on to bigger thing, things. Uh, or it's the Sheamus... Like, you've even got the long-term stuff. Sheamus lost his first championship at Elimination Chamber. Hell, well, he's even... Oh, dude, he has lost it at TLC in the past. I'll probably go for the more recent one. <laughs> he's lost it at both of them. My point being, he can exact revenge on Drew by making him feel the pain that he did by losing the championship that close to WrestleMania and having everything snatched away. But that means that you're... I mean, you can use that as momentum and then lose. You don't have to then use that as momentum to do Drew Sheamus at WrestleMania because I'm not expecting them to. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, my expectation is he turns them at TLC, they feud through the Rumble, and by WrestleMania, Drew's on to Brock Lesnar or somebody like that. Because uh, that's, a, that's a rumor I would fully believe <laughs> that they do that. Uh, after this, we've got a string of backstage segments. Uh, the Hurt Business first half were bullying a crew member earlier in the day. It, Beat him up backstage for eating one of Riddle's bro-nuts. Uh, Schreiber, shyly in the background, is uh, eventually encouraged to ask her question. She asks about MVP and his match with Riddle. The group just laugh the idea off as Sarah talks about Riddle as being focused on Lashley. MVP, with the amazing pun, <laughs> uh, you should say brocust. That was awful. <laughs> I don't know. Often when a heel has a really bad line and they laugh, for me, uh, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? You thought that was funny, but it's clearly not. I can take that as a character thing. That said, when a lot of your kind of issues... Actually, I'm seeing I've got no data. I'm going to triple check. I am definitely live. <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned there. All right. Uh, da 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 share. Copy. This should be fun. This should be fun, shouldn't it? Ugh. Can't remember how to do things. There we go. This is fun content for the rest of you to see that I've got no data coming through, apparently. Wait and see. We'll wait and see. We're fine. 
Damn you, YouTube, for making me worry for no reason. <laughs> cool. Uh, anyway, let's move on to... Uh, there's one more thing. Uh, Riddle then met the lads facing the Hurt Business in the next up six-man tag, offering a genuine idea to be their bro-e for the night to counter their man on the outside. Uh, New Day, especially Kofi, accepts. It's like, well, we're not going to turn down somebody voluntarily watching out for us. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and your video, you're not going to turn on us. Yeah, so that was a nice little thing. But it was New Day and Jeff Hardy with Riddle versus Hurt Business, which was uh, Lashers, Benjamin and Alexander with MVP. Uh, Bobberly Lashers is right strong. Continued story in this match. A fast-paced match, increasing in chaos as it went on. The business dominating a lot of the early match, laying Kofi down, uh, uh, cutting the poor lad off. Eventually, Hardy was the one with the hot tag, with the help of Woods, genuinely getting a strong flow of momentum in. However, after sending Lashes into the ring post, he went to quickly follow up with a whisper in the wind, but instead was grabbed by Alexander and hoisted off the ropes into the hurt lock. For the second week in a row, Hardy taps out to the Lashes. And a momentum for the hurt business, as they face New Day yet again. Just this time, it's on pay-per-view. At least there were other people in this one, like, facing each other yet again, but at least it wasn't a straight-up repeat of the same tag match. Uh, it was nice to see the whole business together, but it's that same question. C can't they face anybody else? <laughs> I've been saying this for what feels like weeks on weeks, but like, when you would give me the same match, we get the same opponents facing each other week after week after week, eventually I'm just going to... I'm going to very quickly feel like it's been forever until I've, until I've seen them face somebody else. So, yeah, like, later in the show, we got Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke, and I was just like, yeah, I just assumed she would face Asuka. Good that they didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, they did that last week, didn't they? So that was the repeat there, but I just assumed they'd repeat the match because it's WWE, and they didn't. And that's kind of like a case in point. You can have New Day feud with the Hurt Business and have them face somebody else. You just kind of you can do what he did in with the shenanigans and have interferences and stuff. Because again, I'm not going to go against WWE jokes in my fantasy booking of them, but it is a it is a that is my like one of my biggest kind of downers on WWE right now, especially when there's other wrestling putting the content out there. It's the repeat matches, but not just the repeat ma repeat uh, matches. I mean the like four people specifically in the middle of the card in the taxi. They, those those two teams will face each other every single week for months and that's where and be it in a singles contest be it in a six man like it was here be it in a, one, a two on two against each other be it for the titles not for the titles yeah it's it gets when I say it gets tired you get fatigued of it very quickly just because you're giving it again and again and again and again and there's no break from the, from it uh, it's just yeah just mix it up for me for me AEW are a prime example of how to do that but obviously that's making the massive assumption that you really care about your tag team scene. And yeah, it's been seen for quite a while now. There just isn't the care to take care of it. So you get stuff like this, which feels a bit lazy. Just because the care's going elsewhere. So at least there's that. I guess. It's not a, It's not something that all... Kind of like, oh, it's fine because uh, the energy's clearly put elsewhere. It's like, well, it means this thing that is on the show is still you know a bit tiring to watch. And it was the exact same issue... Like with two different teams, like half a year ago, we're complaining about Andrade and Gaza facing the Street Profits for the twenty seventh time. We're reaching that number fast <laughs> with New Day and Hurt Business. As much as as fantastic as they are together, same compliments I was giving uh, the other duos. It's the it's the booking thing. It's nothing to do with the tag teams or the story they're doing. It's the way they're telling it. And as exciting as it can be, I don't care about TLC. So yeah, it'd be nice to see the Hurt Business win. Because they face each other so many times, I don't care. <laughs> like that match—it's a match in the mid card, which I'll happily like—I'll happily soak in. It's a tag team match featuring those, those four guys. It will be entertaining, but investment level—I just don't care like, in the slightest. Because you've given it me too much. I'm over full of this thing. So, but I am somebody who reviews the shows, so I have to watch them. Like if I wasn't, I'd just skip through them on Raw. Meaning at the pay per view, it's not that big a deal because I haven't really watched them. Uh, but. When I do these reviews, I generally watch them, and very quickly. <laughs> Don't want to see them again. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to Alana versus Nijax. So this, we got actual development for TLC, like a big old twist. And I think I was fine with it. Last week, they did the graphics for TLC. 
and they show that there's going to be Lardo and Asuka versus Nia Jax and Baszler. This is the massive story that we've been building to. And this week, they take out Lana. This felt, felt like two scenarios. One is an extension, because Lana did beat Nia Jax, then she got beaten up. And in terms of the slow, gradual kind of um, rotation of positions, when Nia Jax coming as the big bully of the I'm a strong competitor to and calling Lana the weak kind of force within the women's division... I can't say weak force. The weak link in the women's division and calling her out for it saying she doesn't belong. And then he switch positions and Lana starts picking up wins and Nia Jax is so kind of dead set on Lana that she herself becomes the liability. And I really like that slow rotation. And for me, Nia Jax straight up losing to Lana one-on-one, then getting angry, beating her up and injuring her, taking her out of TLC. For me, that's a decent continuation of that. Like, Lana slowly... Nia Jax is becoming an in-ring liability because she's not focused, whilst Lana's now started to pick up wins over. It's a switch positions. It's a genuine story that's building up over time. But the other side of it is, could they just be like, right, we need to actually switch gears to WrestleMania here. Instead <laughs> of getting a competitor that could actually team with Asuka. Be it, but personally, wouldn't be surprised if it's Mandy Rose. Uh, or if, if I want someone to definitely take the pin, then you have it be Dana Brooke. Depends what the booking is. Are Baszler and Jax going to walk out as titan champions? Because again, the next beat is for Baszler and Jax to lose the titles because of Jax. That is the next beat to happen. And you can go for Mandy Rose, and then you do you go straight into Asuka Mandy Rose, maybe for WrestleMania. Or you have it be Dana Brooke and the champs retain one more to the Rumble or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a more interesting twist to a match I didn't really care for that much. Yeah, for me, it was a shining example of the war women's division needing a lot of work, and it's just going to take time. Yeah, Lana tackling this obstacle by herself. Uh, that said, Jackson Baszler never had any intention of such a thing, and Nia Jackson's determination destroyed her yet again, cost her the match, the smaller last chopping her down, and scoring our second corner roll-up of the night, damn it, D-Lo. As, as soon as that man... Ah, I can't speak. As soon as that bell rung, though, the tag champion's plan kicked in. Shayna attacked Asuka in Gorilla before the two took to an attempted injury angle on Lana. Word that so flipping weirdly. <laughs> Shayna talking the ankle before Nia dropped in with the run of leg drops. And uh, now the report is Lana has legit been taken out. And after writing that sentence, uh, it wasn't that I went up to Twitter and like five minutes <laughs> before I went on, WWE tweeted it out that Lana is officially out of TLC. Asuka needs to find a new partner. And again, it's Dana Brooke or Mandy Rose. Whichever one it is, it depends on the booking. For me, if, if Asuka's losing, then it's Dana Brooke. If Asuka's winning, it's Mandy Rose. That's what I'd go with. Just because they've been fe- yeah, featured, featured lasses returning and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, Asuka with a new partner. Whoever it may be, may be a new friend for TLC... Because uh, they la na la na, <laughs> I did not know where that was going. Uh, but yeah, an idea that would somewhat swing more focus uh, onto the champion herself. So like, no complaints here, really. Right, on to something. I when I was watching this, I was like, oh, there's probably been quite a few comments on this. And I went on Twitter, there was nothing really. It's like I don't know what's worse in terms of like fan reception. Is it worse when fans were like kick up and like, oh my god, I can't believe you're featuring this guy type of reaction, or? Is it worse if there's nothing? Not even talk about the people associated with him. So I'm assuming there was talk on Twitter, but by the time I wake up, some stuff died down, and the bigger points of the show, all the things that people have actually latched onto, are then being discussed by the time I wake up and and, and actually watch the show. Uh, so I'm not normally logging onto Twitter till the afternoon. But the uh, yeah Elias introducing his new muscle. It's a Jackson Viker, yay! But uh, yeah, I didn't even see anyone talking about it. And for me, that I want to say that's work. That's, in terms of like a TV show and, and engagement, where I didn't see anybody talking about it, <laughs> so I was like, oh, like it's it's kind of a, like a dead segment in a way. Yeah, it's an act that it's one of the things where purely on visuals it could work. Yeah, and Jackson Viker putting like putting his anger into that promo uh, on Elias, and you can probably guess why. The, Vocal Trump supporters angry right now. Uh, but he felt like he put that into the promo and like it was Elias showing him the light and being deserving of more respect. And uh, Jackson Mike is there to help that happen. And uh, yeah, I didn't see anyone. Again, my big point is 
I didn't see it. I saw hardly any comments on it. <laughs> it was not not a great sign. Uh, but when the music man is immediately interrupted from playing his healing song for the just injured Lana, it's by the 24-7 champion, R-Truth. Uh, as I said last week, uh, Raw has flowed infinitely better without Raw Underground or separate 24-7 skits. Uh, again this week, integrating the shenanigans into a segment. Uh, Apologising for interrupting a main event. Because, you know, but who watches main event? Uh, but comedically oblivious that in doing in doing so to apologise is interrupting again. Uh, when uh, Truth then actually is respectful tries to be quiet, the 24-7 crowd ran out to chase him down, and Viker in rage took them all out as the champion skedaddled, and uh, immediately, uh, well, I was writing my notes, like, I've written way too much for a segment like that. <laughs> that was, uh, like, they introduced a new dynamic to the Elias act, and then 24-7 shenanigans, and the segment ends. Fine, okay then. <laughs> Whatever that was. Mmm, mm, cold tea. Right, Miz and Morrison versus Keith Lee was up next. And the uh, duo were chipping away at the big man as he impressively fended them off. The numbers game got its shots in, but it took some work to get Lee down. Uh, Miz and Morrison both with some mistimings, or mistimings. <laughs> Don't do finger guns with a pun like that. <laughs> but uh, hey, it was fine. I'm not the one who goes on a... Uh, like anger flip when there's a botch like it's wrestling it happens it goes into Matthew's video <laughs> I, do, it, I don't really mind that much it happens a, a nice finish with Miz high kicking Keith into a beautiful disaster kick off the ropes but after it didn't knock the lad down he went for it again uh, but big Keithy boy caught John uh, quick thinking Miz chopped him down and the duo both laid on top for the double double win and uh, yeah so this I saw this I did see as I addressed at the start of the show, there's quite a few of, hmm, Keith Lee lost again. Like, are they actually, is this another stop-start booking kind of scenario? Uh, for me, we're getting to that point where he's getting close to a stop-start scenario. Uh, but shall we see next week if it's stopped again? <laughs> or is it starting up again? Uh, personally, I would big, I would build up big Keithy boy for the Rumble. Like, he can paint him as a genuine threat. He doesn't have to win, but he can paint him up as a genuine threat. Because like, he's a big Keithy boy. So, yeah, don't. And my, one of my worst things for that is, like, literally the raw before the rumble, they have him destroy people without really ever showcasing that beforehand. But no, like, build him up as a genuine threat for that, that, uh, for that match. That's what, that's what I would do. Uh, but in this, again, in this match, it took both of them to knock him down. And for a lot of the match, he was in, impressively fending them both off. And it wasn't until the end where it took, uh, it took the you know, high kick, disaster kick. Uh, still didn't go down. Then he caught and it was a chop to the leg and then he got pinned. So it was like a cheeky double thing where it generally took both of them to knock him down. And in the end, it was on the end of a counter. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, this is... Uh, as soon as this match started, I'm like, they're painting The Miz as a massive proponent for the main event match. He's a character. He's somebody who could likely interject himself in the main event of TLC. However... He's facing Keith Lee here. So, for me, they're going to win. They're going to get across that momentum of he could sneakily grab the win here with help from John Morrison and whoever and and steal the title from TLC. That's a very strong possibility. We'll see if it happens. But it's... Hmm. Yeah, it's sad for Keith Lee. It means that he's put up... Of course, like the, the argument against that is just don't have them face Keith Lee, have them face someone else. Uh, but in terms of which opponent makes sense for what they told beforehand in previous weeks, Keith Lee makes sense. They've been building him up in the background as somebody still relevant to Drew, even though he's not in the foreground attacking him. And they've held off uh, Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee. If they are going to do like Brock Lesnar, McIntyre, and Lee at WrestleMania, which for some reason that one, uh, out of all the matches I saw rumored, that one just didn't click. I was like, I'll, I'll wait and see. But if you build it made first off as Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee, then Lesnar comes in afterwards. Uh, as a, a completely fresh kind of uh, cog in the machine. That'll be interesting. Uh, anyway, let's continue rocketing through. Bray Wyatt and the Funhouse Field Trip. Uh, in his, uh, yeah, this was a interesting <laughs> run of segments. Uh, we'll get through it. In his yowie wowie Christmas jumper, uh, his soul all warmed by the smiles of the WWE universe, uh, he's not sure what will be left of Orton after TLC. No fun and games, just sadness and pain. 
So tonight will be one of fun. Uh, Bray's got hysterical jokes for Orton. Each one accompanied by the creepy laughs of the puppets at ringside. Like, ha, 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 ha. And yeah, these are god-awful... I can't even call them dad jokes. <laughs> it's just like Christmas cracker level awfulness. What's the best way to measure a viper? Inches, because they don't have any feet. Cue the laughter. Ha, 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 ha. What do snakes use to clean their car windows? Windshield vipers. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it was so... I was just like, this is such a weird segment. But I also adore the uh, Bray Wyatt uh, Funhouse character. And again, I think... I can't remember who it was. It might have been Alex McCarthy of uh, BT, uh, of Talk Talk. And he was... Um, he made quite a good point. That if it was him... <laughs> I was going to put that massive caveat on there. Because a few weeks ago, I might be misremembering. Uh, but it's just like the little thing of, like, once live crowds come back... It feels like Bray Wyatt has got this character down to such a level of charisma that for live audiences, this is going to absolutely kill it. Uh, like this, this, uh, this kind of era of WWE has really helped him hone it. And like, yeah, totally in agreement. It really does feel like they, he has really honed that character. And I'm genuinely excited to see what happens with the live cast when they return. Because you can play about with it a lot more, get that reaction. Uh, but here we didn't get our third joke. Let's <laughs> return back in. Uh, because Orton popped up on the Titantron for his own merryless message. Boo. Uh, admits he got outmaneuvered last week by the Fiend. That would happen at TLC. You don't, don't outmaneuver Randy Orton again. Uh, but tonight he wants to play a game with Bray. A fun old game of hide and seek. A Bray in the ring is like, you know I can't resist games. <laughs> he goes off to find Randy shouting. Uh, confirmed by Randy. And as he shouted, let the games begin. Uh, yeah, he... Uh, yeah. <laughs> then throughout the course of the show, we've got little segments. Because as the show went on, Bray met a selection of folk backstage on his hunt for Orton. Uh, first off, it's Matt Riddle. Sorry, Riddle. Uh, calling the man Bro. So it's Bray, actually. <laughs> that got a subtle laugh out on me. Uh, with uh, Bro had his whiteboard for his bro market ideas. After Wyatt walks off, uh, the rabbit pops up. Uh, Riddle donning him a baby broder before getting him to sign a carrot. This is certainly a strange show <laughs> this week. Uh, later in the show again, we got a segment with R-Truth. The man was blabbling on about being unable to buy his relatives a PS5, uh, asking the pig if he knew how to get a PS6 instead. A big play. Genius, genius. Uh, Bray eventually walking in. R-Truth actually helpful in sending him in the right direction. Oh, <laughs> finally found his rocking chair as the one lone item lit in a dark storage room. He sits down on it and out appears Orton for the beatdown. And Medium's like, surely you, this is it's going to be something a bit more to it than he, he just appears and attacks him. Nope, like he sits on the chair, gets attacked from the darkness. And eventually locks Bray in a crate. A crate? Orton plans to set a flame. Uh, the fire's burning as Orton looked on in a craze, like, yes, I got you now, you fiend. <laughs> when the fiend opens the crate up from the inside, and it completely shocks Randy Orton, uh, choking him out against the wall, the claw locked in as a life drains out of Orton for the second week in a row. And I like that little twist at the end, because I felt like the segment was a bit, when it was happening, it's like, this is a bit of a, hmm, like, because overall, by this point, it's like, this voice felt very average. And when this play segment played out, it's like, yep, that's fitting for this raw. Then the fire bit happened. I was like, it's another visual, it's a nice visual thing. But for the fiends to burst out of the uh, crate or out of the coffin, as it was a flame, uh, uh, that was an awesome visual. This is like Randy Orton's like, I've got you. You're not going to outmaneuver me this time. But he's being played the entire time. And that again, this story the, from week one, it has been who is actually in control and Orton. It's 100% sure that I'm Randy Flipping Orton. I manipulate everybody. I'm doing it again with you. And he's being very open about it. Uh, Alexa Blitz tried to warn him. He's like, yeah, but the Fiend's different. <laughs> again, and Orton's certain because of his history. This happened before with other people that Bray Wyatt has faced. Certain that because there is that history that they understand Bray Wyatt and therefore understand the Fiend. And yet again, here being shown that that's not exactly the case. Randy Orton, yet again, getting shown up by The Fiend. Uh, yeah, it's a nice little segment. 
again, a nice little build once again showing when it comes to it, Van de Orten gets outmaneuvered by the Fiend again and again. And as we go into TLC, uh, that expectation is it will happen again. Which makes me think WWE swerve because wrestling. This <laughs> is like, oh. Uh, in terms of a nice, solid little buildy thing, uh, for me, uh, yeah, The Fiend does beat Randy Orton at TLC. But that's the story of, like, you know, Randy Orton is so sure he's in control every time. But The Fiend is playing a. He's, he's, a, he's not the same person. And Randy Orton needs to learn that. And for TLC. He learned that. <laughs> That's what I do. Just like, don't think about it too much. Don't do a swerve because all oh, we need big swerve moment. Like, no, just, just have the thing beat him. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. After this, we got what I'm calling Monday Night Raw filler: a Mace versus Ricochet. I've bagged on about retribution already, so it's not really much time, point to me repeating what I've already said. But the segment itself, Ali hyping up the lad as one of as the one to reaffirm them. Is it? It's Mace versus Ricochet. And it's like, you are going to reaffirm that we are retribution, we're not to be messed with. And to send a message after last week's piss-easy loss. <laughs> so much. The little momentum they had last week was like, yeah, that was that was very easy. Uh, but the match itself here found to be a pretty nothing match with Ali doing damage control on commentary. Again, he's good at it, but he's having to do it every other week. <laughs> it sounds like he can't, he's not invincible. Uh, Ricochet's momentum cut off after a tad of a distraction. Mace with a nice spin-out white noise for the win. Uh, after the match, the group with a tad more of a beatdown as Ali shouts at Richard that this ends when he joins Retribution. Ah, like, oh, when he's the, the ultimate career killer. Uh, but again, the match itself, I was watching it, it felt like Monday Night Raw filler to the momentum of the match. I'd never really got into it, didn't really care. It's the type of match, if, if it were to come on Raw... I feel like in front of a crowd, I feel like the crowd would be silent. Like an actual crowd. Well, not silent, but quiet. Yeah, just because the acts are dead. Which sucks, because the, all the wrestlers are amazing. <laughs> I think every, I think I rate every wrestler in this arc. But as a story and as the characters, it's all thumbs down. It's, <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> I just don't... Yeah. I'm not invested in the slightest. And it feels like lower mid-card fodder that I'm just waiting to get discarded. And it's not being discarded. I'm trying to find new ways to get it to work and it's just not working. Because at its core, the idea is bad. Or there wasn't much of an idea. And that's really hindered it from the beginning. So, yeah. Uh, let's move on from Retribution. I'll talk about them too much. Uh, Shayna Baszler versus Dana Brooke. Uh, no messing in Shayna as she stiffs... Stiffs... Stiff... I can't speak. As she sti strikes stiff as hell before entering the usual joint manipulation fun times. Uh, Dana fought back in, but within the minute Naya interfered and knocked the lass off the top rope. No beatdown, however, as Mandy Rose returned, a kendo stick in hand and whacking Naya down across the back. Baszler unable to save as Asuka ran in to cut her off. Sexy muscle friends reunite! <laughs> and uh, something tells me we've got our Lana replacement. Case being, is it Mandy Rose or is it Dana Brooke? Depends on what they want the result to be. Personally, why not pull the trigger on Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler? Like, Nia Jax cost them the ultimate kind of gold that they've got. Then they can do Nia and Shayna all angry at each other for the Rumble. Yeah, that's what I'd go with. Just so we're not forced into Nia eliminating Shayna as Shayna pulls a face. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> it's screaming at me that it's going to happen. But I don't want it. Have them lose the titles here. Have, have Shayna have enough of Nia. Then he can burst up or whatever. So, yeah. But the Lana thing's not done. This because um, I saw that comment of is Lana being replaced here? As in for WrestleMania, they're kicking this into gear and they're switching out Lana for like the returning blonde Mandy Rose. Uh, no, for me, they're continuing what's going on. I'm going to get more Lana Nijax. It's going to continue. So yeah. Anyway, MVP versus Riddle. So this to me really felt like filler. A really quick match. Uh, yeah, it's essentially a quick trap to try and get Lashley to. Destroy Riddle. A Riddle quickly getting the better of Porter and chomping on donuts on the ramp as Lashes pulls an angry, an angry face, not a hungry face, <laughs> an angry face, unable to even recoup something with a post-match beatdown. Riddle just teasing, eating donuts on the ramp. Sorry, bro nuts on the ramp. Yeah, a uh, another addition to the build of Riddle and Lashley, uh, but very quick, just burst through this. <laughs> it's like okay, cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, not many 
a lot to say. So let's get on to the main event. The WWE Championship TLC. I call it the Elevation Ceremony because I forgot the actual term. The official hoisting of the championship for this Sunday. Uh, hey, I don't mind the idea. I don't mind what they did here. Uh, like a way to add some graphic tasks to the match. A nice visual build-up other than AJ getting in a generic pay-per-view like lay of hands or beat down or whatever. Like, no, this was something different. Yes, he did get in that end kind of point, but it felt like there's a reason for them to be there other than we've got a segment. It's like, no, this was like a, a thing you would do ahead of TLC, even though they don't really do it, but I don't mind it. Add some gravitas to the title match. The final opportunity for the two to run their mouths before the title is lifted and set. AJ running down McIntyre for it taking him 19 years to get to being champion, using his loss to Orton as a clear example as to why it took that long. Uh, McIntyre has made mistakes, and with AJ's experience over him in TLC matches, he's going to capitalise once again. Somewhat familiar to what Orton was saying going into Hell in a Cell. Take that as you will. Uh, compared to that, Drew put AJ over as an opponent he's always wanted to face. It's one thing to get to the top. It's a whole other ball game to stay there. Don't know what this weird hand movement is. <laughs> he's fully aware of that at this point, but he's not someone who cracks under pressure. This Sunday, he's willing to do whatever it takes. Do you? That's a random Mitchell and Webb reference thrown in. <laughs> English, uh, English sketch comedy. Uh, epic music plays as the title's elevated up to the sky, because of course it does. <laughs> and AJ voices his final evil plan. But what if it's not just AJ Styles that you have to face? Yeah, Miz and Morrison attacking out of nowhere. Uh, it wasn't very effective. Uh, the champ claymored the two with relative ease, but AJ did get the final say, capitalising on the distraction, laying in each TLC weapon one after the other, showing his experience in this match with his clear execution. Uh, first the ladder, then the chair, and going off air following an elbow off the ladder through a table, uh, taking the title off the hanger for a wee quick pose, and off air we go. So yeah, a, uh, again, a half-decent, different thing, for me, this is a perfectly fine, like, final go-home thing for a pay-per-view. But I'm not going to hype it above average, because that's what it was for me. This Raw for me, I'm not going to remember it. Like, <laughs> and it was, well, whilst I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I'm generally happy that I don't have to watch Raw for the next two weeks. Like, this is my last one of the year, and I go out on a perfectly average Raw <laughs> that didn't do much for me, but had nice little building blocks going into TLC. And TLC for me... Feels like a solid B pay-per-view, but a, P a B pay-per-view nonetheless. Like not one I'm that excited for. Not one that I'm expecting that much to happen in terms of characters and things. Because, of course, the Royal Rumble's like the big kickstarter of that. But we get some nice little stories here. We get well, more personal stuff with the Drew and Sheamus. Uh, yeah, some nice little character bits. Doesn't mean I'm like generally excited for the pay-per-view, because I'm not. Like, it'll be fine. Uh, well, sorry, again. The pay-per-view's likely to be good. Because on paper it's pretty solid and the B pay-per-views as of late have flowed really well. Like they've they've not outstayed their welcome, which is a major issue of WWE for like the past three years or so. But they cut down the length, it doesn't outstay its welcome, it blasts through the card. Yes, in the middle of the card you get a lot of repeat matches that you're just done with, but it still flies by. You know, they've been very easy watches, and this card screams yet another really easy watch. So uh, yeah, no complaints from Imp. But it's a B pay-per-view. I'm not. I'm not going into it expecting like the world's greatest TLC shenanigans ever. It's like no, it screams B pay per view. The build's been B pay per view. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, some with some nice guys bits on time. Anyway, that is the end of the raw review and my final raw review of the year. I'll be back on Tuesday, on Thursday for the NXT review, and I'm also going to be live immediately after TLC with AfterShock. So my work is not done. <laughs> WWE. I've still got NXT. I've still got TLC. But in terms of Monday Night Raw, this is me checking out for the year. Uh, in terms of the Raw review, I, so I won't be here next week. I won't be here the week after. And let me just check dates, actually, to see. Because I've got... If I'm right... Here we go. So I will be live in three weeks' time on the 4th and 5th, following both nights of Wrestle Kingdom. So I will be live on a Tuesday covering wrestling, but it won't be WWE. So I'll likely... Because I won't be able to watch Raw, because I'll be watching Wrestle Kingdom. And then, you know, life. <laughs> so I don't think I'll actually be back until the 13th. No, sorry, the 12th. Yeah, I won't be back until the 12th. So I'm actually taking three weeks off or more. 
Oh, did not realise that. <laughs> but I will still be here. So, because I'll be doing Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th and 5th. So, you're still going to get your wrestling coverage. But the Raw review itself is on a mini, like, three-week hiatus. Just as Christmas, New Year, and Wrestle Kingdom. They're the three wrestling things. <laughs> Christmas, New Year's, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, that's what's coming up for the Wrestling Headlines uh, live streams. Also, uh, please do check out Lucha Joe's uh, videos. <laughs> Daily videos going up on the latest wrestling news yeah, throughout the course of the weeks. And... Yeah, so with that, see you on Thursday for the NXT review, then see you on Sunday live, immediately following Aftershock for the... for Aftershock. <laughs> immediately following DLC for Aftershock. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn implicat, that's damn as in damn. You can read my columns over at Lots of Pain. Read all the other columns as well. Absolutely nailing it with the content recently as of late. And a massive thumbs up to all the writers. And I forgot anything else to plug. Uh, Twitch, I'll be streaming on Twitch a lot more regularly now. That's the implications with a second S. Uh, on Twitch, I have been streaming Death Stranding for like for a live stream. The numbers have been really good <laughs> for Death Stranding. So that's awesome to see uh, the actual people tuning in live, uh, interacting with me. That's awesome. So I'm uh, continuing to play Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding, and uh, also playing a bit of doing a FIFA World Cup with my brother. Doing what's the other thing I'm doing? I am doing Fall Guys with both my brother and uh, Ash from the Wrestling Shorts YouTube channel, who been doing this uh, Twitch uh, endeavor with. Uh, the Wrestling Shorts channel. So yeah, a quick plug for his channel, even though he gets hundreds of thousands of views. <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need to plug him here. <laughs> but, you know, in case somebody's not seen uh, the great animations he does, there you go. Yeah, so anyway, uh, with that, thank you for watching, listening, uh, thumb up, five-starring, subscribing, belling, <laughs> whatever it is on the YouTube, and also five-star reviews on the uh, on um, podcast platforms. God, my brain is turning off. I'm ready for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I think it's perfect time to sign off. So again, uh, thank you for listening and watching. What did you make of Monday Night Raw? Did you also think it was a very average go-home show for TLC? Or does it not matter as much how strong Raw is, given SmackDown is really the A show now, and it's more about if that one hits or not? So uh, yeah, hit me up with your opinions at the damn Impacat or in comments, whatever. Uh, and with that, I th th say thank you for listening, and I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.